Well, officially, good morning, everybody. And yeah, God is good. And he is risen. I love it. John five, we please open to John chapter five. You know, if you don't have a Bible there again, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. We're going to take a break from Matthew this morning because uh, believers kind of take it traditionally have taken a break this morning, as Marcus had shared uh, to focus on the resurrection of our Lord. He did die, but he rose again. And we are excited about that. While you're making your way to John five twenty five, John five twenty five, Jesus says something important about our understanding well, for our understanding regarding the resurrection in John chapter 11. You're going to have to forgive me this morning for jumping around a little bit, but we're going to do Bible drills this morning. So, oh yeah. Children dismissed. Thank you. John chapter 11 verses 21 through 25. Many of you know it well in John chapter 11, a character named Lazarus, uh, who had a sister, a couple sisters named Mary and Martha. Lazarus had died and he was a good friend of Jesus. And what happened is that uh, Lazarus had died for a few days and, and Mary and Martha was upset that Jesus wasn't quite there in time. Cause you know, if anybody could help save Lazarus from dying, it would have been Jesus. Amen. And so in verse 21, Martha says to Jesus, as Jesus comes on the scene a few days later, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. I don't know how many people I've shared that those, these words with at a graveside, knowing a believer had died. They're in the ground, so to speak, their body is in the ground. And I share with them this truth. Your relative who knew the Lord, they will rise again. It is a matter of fact. It is absolutely going to happen. Well, Martha being a, a wonderfully taught believer in the Lord knows the scripture. She responds on how she knows how to respond. She says, Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, you know that whatever God gives you and Jesus says, your brother will rise again. She says in verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know that day is coming. I know it. And so here she is responding to that fact, even though she's grieving Someone she loved is, is in the grave. Jesus, you could have resurrected her, but you didn't. You could have, I mean, you could have saved him, but you didn't. You could have healed him in the moment, but you, you, were, you were late. She's grieving. Jesus says, he will rise again. She says, I know. I know that day is coming. But then Jesus says to her or something, Martha, I want you to know something. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus declared to Martha that he is the resurrection and the life. What does that mean? In other words, embodied within Jesus Christ is the power over death and the power to give life. She was looking to an event which is absolutely right on square with what the Bible teaches. Amen. And we all have that hope, but what Jesus wants Martha to know is that the resurrection in the life, the means by which all this was happening was standing right there in front of her. That Jesus Christ is the power over death. Jesus Christ is the power to give eternal life. He is, he is the source of it all. 
It's in him. It's it, it, if it, you can't. why is that? Cause he's the son of God. He's God, the son in the flesh. And to prove to Martha that that future thing would come to pass. She goes, he goes ahead and, and calls Lazarus, Lazarus come forth and he comes out of the grave to show you that I am the resurrection of life. Hey, Lazarus hop out of here. And he comes out of the grave and everybody marvels. But his point is not in just his, Oh, look, he can say things and people, you know, come out of the dead. It's that that is who he is. He has power over death. He has power to give life. That's something important for us to ponder this resurrection Sunday. Because Jesus proclaimed, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Who rose Jesus from the dead? He did. Now, wait a second. I thought the father raised Jesus from the dead. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It says that too. Well, what about the spirit, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead? Yes. God raised Jesus from the dead. It's a great mystery, but here's the thing church and unbelievers. Jesus Christ has power and authority to raise you from the dead. And every one of you in this room, listening to the sound of my voice will be raised from the dead in one way or another. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. John chapter five. Jesus had just healed a severely disabled man on the Sabbath. He had been messed up for his entire life, experiencing tragic things. You can only imagine being disabled for your entire life, unable to help yourself and at the mercy of everyone else. And here Jesus comes along and he does something no one else can. And this guy is leaping and running around and praising God. And he doesn't even know who healed him. Well, the religious leaders knew this happened on a Sabbath day, which to the Jews was a day where you couldn't do any work. And them having evil and wicked hearts, they were looking at the person who actually did good on the Sabbath day. And they wanted to go find out who it was because they broke the law. They had no idea who Jesus was. They had no idea that he was Lord of the Sabbath Christ, or even if they did, they didn't believe. And so they went out and they looked for Jesus. They found him and they confronted him and, and told him what he did was, you know, he was a lawbreaker basically. And in John five, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing here because I'm trying not to teach the whole chapter, but they basically said, Hey, what you're doing was a work. It was a work. And Jesus says, yeah, it is a work. It's a work of God because he says in verse 19, anything that he was doing, it was just what the father had shown him to do. In other words, he and the father were in total harmony. In other words, all the miracles, all the healings, all the casting out of demons, he and the father were unified in everything they were doing. The works were harmonized. So what they were complaining about was the, that God was doing a work, the very God that they proclaimed to worship. And they were upset that God was doing a work on God's Sabbath. That's what they're upset about. Well, Jesus wants to clarify with them some very important things. He wants to know that they were wrong because as Jesus said earlier, anything he was doing was at the direction of the father. He didn't do anything that the father wasn't doing. Now the works he was doing were the works of God and being the son of God. He had the authority to do them. This is the problem. They didn't think he had the authority to do it. And, and here's, here's where he goes. And, and, if, and if healing people wasn't enough about the works that God was about, listen, 
We've heard about Jesus healing people. Jesus goes on. He says, if you think healing this guy was something, you haven't seen anything yet. And he says, so we pick up in verse 25. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the, when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live for as the father has life in himself. So he has granted the son also to have life in himself in the same way. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, I know you didn't have time to study this 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 week. I'll break it down for you. Jesus has three resurrections in view here. Three resurrections. Jesus has, he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. In other words, he has power to raise the dead and he has the power to give, give life. But he wants us to know that there are three resurrections that we need to be concerned about here. Three resurrections, if you will. Three distinct resurrections. As we focus on our risen savior this morning, it's my hope that we'll not only rejoice in the fact that he has risen, but marvel that he is the one who actually raises the dead. He will raise you from the dead one way or the other. And I want it to be one way. And so does the Lord. The first way in which Jesus has the power authority to raise people from the dead is found in verse 25. What does he say? Truly, truly. I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. Seems to be a lot of contradictions in those verses. The first resurrection that Jesus is speaking of here is a spiritual resurrection. Verse 25. It's a spiritual resurrection. He begins by saying to us, truly, truly. That's Jesus speak. That's God speak for you had better listen to what I am saying because it is the absolute truth. And you have to know this truly, truly like, Hey, listen up everybody. This is super important. That's Jesus speak. Ready? So are you listening? He says an hour is coming. How many of you have had a, instructor that said, Hey, there's a test coming. Oh, by the way, it's here. It's right now. You're like, ah, so it's speaking about a period of time when something's about to come about an hour is coming. As Jesus is saying, this is a season that's going to be upon the earth and it's starting right now. That's what he's saying there. It's right now. An hour is coming. When is that? It's happening now. Well, what's going to happen? Jesus said the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. Now a bunch of people just jump out of the grave and start running around at that point. No, because he's not talking about a physical resurrection here. He is talking about a spiritual resurrection and this is important. Jesus is speaking about spiritually dead people here. Those who have no relationship with God, those who have no ability to hear God, to obey or to respond to God in their own power, because they are spiritually dead. Just as we cannot have relationships with people who are physically dead. They're unable to interact with us, respond to us. I know this is morbid and it's an Easter Sunday, but roll with me. You see the impossibility there? 
You see, there's no ability to have relationship. There is no interest shared interest, anything. There's not, there's no ability because one is dead. One is alive. So too, God who has his spirit cannot have relationship with us because we are spiritually dead. We're walking around physically, but we are spiritually dead. And that's what Jesus wants to address here. There must be a rebirth, a resurrection, a life that comes to a dead person within the middle, within their heart, within their soul. In order for a man or a woman person to be right in relationship with God. And guess what? Dead people are powerless to resurrect themselves. Every world religion minus biblical Christianity. I know this is, Oh man, it's narrow. Yeah, it's very narrow. The world says you have the power within yourself to change yourself and become the things, but this is what, this is the gospel. You're dead. You can't change yourself, but guess what? Who can? Jesus said, there's coming a time when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and live. It has to be outside. It has to be from someone who has life. And that is Jesus Christ. And he proves he has life over death by his death and resurrection. And he does it by Lazarus and all these other people. And he's saying here, listen, there's coming a time. And now is when you spiritually dead people, Matt, everybody else, (laughs) I'm going to speak and I'm going to bring some of you to life. Those who here are going to have real life from the inside out. God must do this through his son who speaks and is now speaking right now into your heart. I am not God's messenger and all that kind of stuff. Like listen, his spirit is live and is active and he knows your individual hearts. I have no clue what's going on in there. I'm totally ignorant, but God spirit is wrestling with you this morning. Those of you who do not know the Lord or have been churched your whole life and, and yet have never come to know the Lord. And he's speaking to you. Come to me. Listen, have ears to hear, wake up. What does it mean to be dead? I want to paint this picture a little deeper because I want to focus on the life. Amen. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? Flip over to Ephesians two. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. That's the one you want to get to Ephesians two. Thank you very much. I did my Bible. Memorization slipping quickly though, or just tap on your phone. Ephesians two chapter one. What is, how does Paul begin Ephesians two verse one? This is important. Listen up, please. Your eternity depends on it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is God's perspective of us. He says, you're dead. How are you dead in your trespasses and sins? No, this isn't speaking about physical death. Is it? That's not what God's talking about. In other words, he has a view of us that we don't have of, of each other. You know, sometimes we can look at each other emotionally or whatever it might go. And you're just dead inside, right? Or whatever it might be. That person's just dead. Well, God can actually see into our souls and say, there's no life in them. 
How is that expressed? How do we know that we're spiritually dead? How does God know this? He says, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're stuck in a life of disobedience to God. You're stuck in a, in a pattern of thinking and a way of living that is contrary to life, to what God has. Verse two, look it out in once you once uh, look at it here in once you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working the sons of disobedience. Listen, it's a way of life. You are in a way of life. Do you know that? I am in a way of life. You are following a pattern. There are influences upon you. There are ways that we do things. Have you ever wondered what those are and where they come from and how it has? And people have a bunch of philosophies. Well, God has a philosophy. He goes, listen, there's a way that the world is. It's in rebellion to me because of sin and trespass. And there's a way that it works and, and flows and happens. And listen, it's walking Uh, It's following patterns of sin and trespasses. They're like deep ruts in the road and you can't get out of them. No matter how hard you try, you are stuck in them. And we all experience these in one ways or the other in one way or the other. And they are contrary to who God is contrary to life. And, and we're following the prince of the power of the air. There is a spiritual entity that is fallen and is subjecting people to his rule and his reign and his name is Satan. He's here and Jesus Christ is going to come and kick him out. But people are influenced by him directly and indirectly. There's a powerful sway, a powerful demonic influence over humanity. That's what a person who's spiritually dead is not living in obedience and submission to God, which is real life, but you're stuck in sin. You're stuck in the patterns of the world, the way things have always been that are evil. And you're under the influence of an evil leader. Well, who is spiritually dead? Who are these people? Well, Paul says in verse three, unless anybody's pointing fingers among whom, what among whom we all once lived. So really quickly, who's spiritually dead? It's you guys, not Pastor Matt. (laughs) Just want to clarify that. Christine, don't mention anything right now. It's my wife. (laughs) Who's it say? It says y'all. Everybody once has walked under this way. It is human nature. And Paul says everyone was spiritually dead. That means we all have an inability to respond to God. Listen, living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind. That's kind of what defines it. Listen, it's what you want. It's your own world. It's what you want to do. It's how you want to live. It's how you want to express your identity. It's all these things. That is the power and the sway of the world. It's centered on self. And I hope this makes us all feel very uncomfortable because we all have lived this way. That's what we're fighting against. Again, anyone have a child? Do you have to teach them to obey? Yes, you do. Why is that? Do you have to teach them to disobey? No. Why? Because they have a great example of disobedience. Who's that? Yeah, I know. Parents can't help it. It's in us. We have to teach them to obey, right? We have to listen. You know, like Andrew was talking about his class, right? Why is that? Why aren't people just naturally loving and kind and focused and caring about others and others centered? Why do we gravitate towards selfishness and evil and brokenness and all these things? And we have to fight because we are fallen in our core of who we are. We're dead and it shows itself in the 31 flavors of sin around us. 
We like to point at each other's sin and go, oh, look at yours. But we're all dead. That's what, that's how God sees us. This describes the world we're living in. And that's the world around us. It appeals to our flesh and our desires. Listen, why do you, you know, what is it? Why do you make the purchases that we, we purchase? What are they appealing to you and in, in, in you? What is marketing after? What do they market to? What's Bud Light doing right now? And you got all these people reaction and throwing stuff at each other about how everything's going. It's just a, a giant problem in one form or another. Why can't we reverse course? How many of us see our nation going crazy right now, but there's just an inability to back out of it. There's no way we're, it's like, we all know we should stop, but why don't we stop? Cause we can't because we're dead and we're going to continue down this path until we die. And it's destruction. Merry Easter. Have a nice day. <laughs> That's what it's like living in death. That's what it's like. You can't pull out. You can't correct course no matter how hard you try, because there's an enemy in your own flesh that just keeps wanting to drive towards selfishness. So what's the solution? Dead people need life. And Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to speak life into death, to resurrect dead people out of death into his life and to give you his kingdom. It says there that we are by nature, children of wrath. Listen, God is just in the judgment. He's going to bring upon the world. And we're actually experiencing the judgment of God in our society. Do you know that he lets us it's Romans once as he gives us over to what we want. He just lets us go. That's a horrible thing. It's great to have a loving parent around you that says, no, I'm not going to let you go down that road. But when you keep hitting that thing, eventually they go have fun with that. And then what happens? Everybody's having fun with that. And here we are. Jesus Christ has the power to raise the dead. The answer is not in a politician. It's not in self-help because you can't help yourself. It's in him. Verse four of Ephesians two, read it, underline it, star it, put it in your heart. He paints the problem, but now here's a solution. But God being rich in mercy. Do you know that someone's merciful towards you? Someone loves you. And it's not just anyone, but God being rich in mercy. Do you know he's so merciful? He is rich in mercy. And what else is it? Because of his great love, because of his menial love, because he kind of loves you because of his great love towards you. God loves you so much. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Isn't that awesome? And while we're enemies, while we're dead, while we can't do anything, guess what? God loves you beyond that. And he made you alive together with Christ. What does that mean? This is the gospel. It's the good news church. That God raised people from death to life. Just as Jesus died for your sins and rose again. So too you will through faith in Christ will die to your sin 
and rise again to new life through faith in him. You follow in his footsteps. He's the leader. He has power to give you not only resurrect you from the dead, but to give you life to help you conquer sin in your life. And that's the business he is in. He's rich in mercy. He's motivated by his great love. He has compassion on us in our pit of death and sin. So on the one hand, God is just, but he looks at a world and says, man, you're under my wrath. What's the solution? I'm going to send my son. Who's going to die a horrible death to, to take upon him what you all deserve. Matt included. Amen. And then what does he do? says he's going to die and then he's going to offer you adoption. He's going to invite you into his family. It's pretty wild <laughs> through faith, something that can't be earned by grace. You have been saved. He says there in verse five and he raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and on, but he's just what describing here. He's describing here is uh, he's going to, he's going to makes us born again a new life. And that's what we all need. That's the first resurrection. If you have yet to believe upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, right now, hear the voice of God and say, I believe what you say about me is true. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And I need your salvation. I believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Save me. And by no means will God cast you out. That is the business. What he is in is bringing dead people to life. And what will happen at that moment of your surrender and God's spirit working in you is this beautiful thing. He makes you alive. And all of a sudden, like a newborn baby, you're kicking and crying and wanting life and food and things that are of God's nature. That's where it comes from. New birth, not religion, not from the outside in, from the inside out. And that's a work only God can do. And it's here for you. Respond. This is what it means in the term born again, responding to the mercy of love of God. This is the first resurrection, new life. That's what he's talking about. Back to John five verse 26. The other ones will go quickly. For as the father has life in himself, Jesus says, so he has granted the son also to love life in himself. Jesus again said, I am the resurrection life. Listen, Jesus has the authority to give you life. The son has eternal life. Jesus prayed to the father in John 17, one through three says, father, the hour has come glorify your son. So the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life to know the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent it's to know God. And he's calling to you to know him. So the first resurrection but not only does Jesus have the authority to resurrect us spiritually, spiritually, he has the authority to resurrect us physically and he will every single one of us check it out. Verse 27. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Now, when does this judgment come about? How does it come about? Well, he says there in verse 28, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming. So he's talking about another hour. So an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice. What was he talking about there? Dead, physically dead people. This is what he's talking about. Don't marvel. If you marveled at the first one, don't marvel at the second one. Cause guess what? 
There's an hour coming when I'm going to speak and people who are dead are going to hear my voice in verse 29 and come out. Well, what's going to happen there? Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment, two more resurrections. One is to spiritual life and the other two are two destinations. You've got two groups here in view, two resurrections, two destinations. And you are either in one group or the other. I know we like to put it whatever we want to be in all the groups. No, you, you're, God, God sees you in the group A or group B. That's what he says here. Jesus says this. Two distinct, distinct groups. First one, those who have done good. Now, what Jesus isn't saying here is you are going to earn your way into heaven. That's not what he's saying. What did we just talk about? You're dead. You can't earn it. It's a gift of God. He has to do it for you. Amen. But what happens is the proof that you have life is that you crave the new life that God has put in you. A good tree bears good fruit. If it's from the inside out, if God made you born again, if you're born of his spirit, guess what? What are you going to crave? Things of the spirit. How is that going to show itself? In a changed life. In a changed life from the inside out. You see, Satan wants you to go to church. But he never wants you to have a changed life. He wants you to be religious all day long and say all these things on the outside, but in the inside, never have that change. Never respond to the spirit of God. Never be born again. That's the world's religion. That's his false religion. But God starts from the inside out. And guess what? When you're changed from the inside and you received Christ and he is in you, it's going to show itself in good works. It's going to show itself in a changed life. That's how you know someone is saved because they've been changed from the inside out. Are they perfect? No way, man. We're in process. But there is a change that happens. There is a new man inside of us. The spirit of God, Jesus Christ is living in the old man is passing away. But the new man is rising up within him. The spirit of God is rising up within us like a tree that's growing. That's what a Christian is. From the inside out, that change that happens. And that's a, that's a work of God's grace within us. As we just focus upon the Lord and obey him. See, those who have been resurrected spiritually by faith in Christ, they will one day be resurrected physically. And guess what? You'll have a new body that fits that new spirit he gave you. That's his promise. Your body, is, if you're a Christian, is working contrary to the spirit right now. <laughs> this is why Paul says, I, everything I, I want to do, I don't do that. I, you know, do, do, I don't, I, I can't even say it right. It's, I'm, you know, so under the curse, right? Amen. But so those who have been resurrected spiritually by faith, you're going to experience this promised resurrection, the resurrection to life, eternal life, not just spiritual resurrection, but God will raise your body from the dead. Listen, when you die, you absolutely go your spirit, who you are goes to be with the Lord. You're in his presence, but there's a day coming when he is going to give you a body. He's going to have this resurrection day when you will have a new body to fit that soul and you will be with him forever. Amen. Thessalonian talks about that. I know that's another message. 
but there is also a resurrection for the unrighteous. Those who've rejected Christ. I know that the world says how oh, you die and it's over and we make up our own things. No, listen, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And this is the second one. Those who have rejected the voice of the son who have remained spiritually dead, who have continued in sin, who have neglected the life and the voice of God. They too will be resurrected with a body fit for judgment and eternal hellfire. And God is just in doing that because he sent his precious son, the only one, the only way to be saved. He gave up what was most precious so that you would have life. And when you reject that, what remains is just the wrath of God. And he will judge us according to what we have done. How many of you want to be judged according to what you have done? No, thank you. Not just physically, but thoughts. And intentions and actions God sees into our spirits. You see how dreadful the the wrath of God is. This is why no one preaches on it anymore because we want to make him into fluffy, you know, PC God. No, he is totally holy and awesome. He's also perfectly loving and desiring to forgive sin. And the only way the, Justice of God and the love of God meets is in the cross of his son. That is where his justice is enacted. And that is where his mercy and his love is poured out and we are forgiven. But if you reject that, all that's left is a fitting judgment. Look at our world today. If we who are fallen know that people who murder people should not be like left off the hook I mean, if we are unjust people and we're fallen people, we know things are out of whack. Imagine God who is just and perfect in his judgment. Think he's going to let things slide. We wonder why a just God allows evil to continue because there is a day when he deals with all of it. They too will experience a resurrection as well. Verse 26 of Matthew 16, which we've been in says, for what will it profit a man if he gains his, the whole world and forfeits his soul? This is the lie that the enemy has. You got to go after the world. You got to, this is your apple to have. It's all about you. Go for it. And if you gain the whole world, what are you going to do about your soul? How are you going to pay for that before God? You can't. It's the lie. For the son of man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his father. And then he will repay each one according to what he has done. He repeats this over and over and over. It is the truth. And we know it to be true in our hearts. He will repay. But God desires that none should perish. Isn't that awesome? That all should come to repentance. This morning is a celebration of his life church. So the good news is, is what we proclaim this morning that Jesus is alive. He's seated at the right hand of the father and he has total authority to resurrect the dead in all the ways described here. But the one we focus on and the one we rejoice in this morning is he has the power to give you eternal life. And he is so willing, so willing. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. Will you humble yourself before God? Will you bow before your creator? Ignore what the world says and religion and all these things and focus on him and believe.
It's true. I'm broken and you are the healer. Jesus Christ took it all. He paid it all. Receive his forgiveness, receive his eternal life. And here's what the thing he makes you new. And now from this day forward, you have eternal life. And he's going to teach you how to live in it. A whole new world. Like a darkness that was over the land of your life. And he flipped on a switch. And all of a sudden the colors and the context and the sunshine pop in. It's like, I never knew this. He's like, yeah, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome out of the rut and into the robe of righteousness. The Holy spirit is at work in the world today and his role. Part of his role in the world is to convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment to come. Sin in our hearts of the righteousness of Christ, our savior and the judgment to come that God will make things straight one way or another. And it's interesting when the Holy spirit fell in acts two, and Jesus told them in, at the end of Luke and in one in acts one, he said, listen, when the Holy spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what witnesses, witnesses of him. What, who does the church testify of? The electric guitar, the lights. Oh man, we've got coffee. We don't, but (laughs) what do we testify of? Our great and mighty, merciful savior. It's been so good to us, hasn't he? Isn't it so cool to know that all of your sins are washed away? absolutely thoroughly. God has thrown them away. If you are in Christ, he remembers them no more. How many of you guys bring up your old sin? Oh yeah. God, when I did this, he's like, what are you talking about? Gone paid for paid in full on the cross done. You're my son. You're my daughter. Let's go. But doesn't mean he doesn't discipline us because he does because he's a loving father, but he teaches us, man. We get to walk in newness of life, the resurrected life church. It's time to walk in life. Cast off the sin that so easily ensnares us and rejoice in the Lord, our savior. Amen. Amen. He's so good. And so we rejoice this morning. If you have yet to receive the Lord as your savior and God is stirring on your heart. Don't let today go by. Let this be your resurrection day. Amen. And for those of you who are in Christ, I challenge you to start It's time to start praying and start witnessing of this life to the world around us. Cause that is God's heartbeat. He cared about you and he cares about them. We got to stop judging the world because guess what? They're dead. Well, that's a judgment. Yeah. I know from personal experience, I was dead and start bringing them the hope of the gospel and praying for them. Amen. And amen. So he is risen. Yeah. Lord God, we thank you so much for this day, this morning. We pray that your power and your, your life, Lord, that we would know the power of your resurrection, that we would experience your life in this church, not in a a weird way, but in the way that you've 
called us to in love for one another, for you in true love and sacrificial love towards one another and in good works, Lord. May this be a place where your name is honored and your spirit is relished and, and it's seen in the life of your people, that it be like a vineyard. You can walk in and inspect the fruit and see a beautiful harvest. We bring glory to you this, this week, Lord begin that work. We pray for tons of new little plants everywhere. And we ask this in the name of our precious savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. He is risen. Uh, Amen. All right. Now go live it.